we're going to kind of combine Father's Day and uh, we're going to have a commissioning ceremony here in a little bit for, for the Bible school, but I uh, wanted to just spend some time in the scripture. And in the middle of this scripture will be our Bible school scripture for the week. First uh, Peter 3.15 will be our scripture for the week, but we're going to start in verse 8 today and uh, talk about a loving father, hope in a loving father. Aren't you glad we have hope today? If you watch the news, if you look at everything going on, you go, man, there is no hope. This world is lost. This world is, is uh, man, it's just nothing going good. And, and I want to tell you this morning that, that there is hope. There is hope. Uh, we talked about this morning in our teen class that so many people are trying to get people to believe that the Bible is not relevant anymore. And I believe it's just as relevant today as it was the day it was written. Because our God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, please know this. Do not think, do not let anybody talk you into the Bible isn't relevant anymore. It is. And that means every bit of it, not just the parts we like. We like, to, uh, we like God to kind of, you know, tell us, and we want to tell God what we want to do and let him smile on it, and that's not the way it works. He shows us the way to live. But there is hope in Jesus Christ. It is a hope like none other. Um, it is a hope not only in the present but in the future, and we look forward to that. As we begin today, our, our, in 1 Peter, our backdrop for this is persecution of the church. Uh, Peter is, is talking to these folks, and they're being persecuted from all sides. They do not like him worshiping this man called Jesus. Uh, they thought when they crucified him and put him in the grave that that all would shut up. But, you know, he was God, and he was, he was so much more than that. And he arose on the third day, and he is alive and well, and it is growing and growing and growing, and people are are coming to know him by the thousands, and, and the higher-ups and the people that want everybody to go their way are not liking it a bit, so there's persecution coming from all sides. And really, if you think about it, it's not unlike today. As you've heard me say before, that there's been as many people martyred for the cause of Christ in the last hundred years as all the other years combined had been martyred for Christ. Think about that just a minute. All the years ever before the last hundred years, all the years before that, four or five, six thousand years of human history, all that combined is not as great as the people that have died for the cause of Christ in the last hundred years. And that means that there is still persecution, worldwide persecution for the name of, of Jesus to the church and trying to snuff out Christianity. And, if, if, you know, the Bible that I read, what I read, guys, they will never snuff out the name of Jesus. There's always going to be a faithful remnant. Um, sadly, it always seems to be small. Uh, it's narrow, and few be that find it. But there is always going to be a remnant that will be there to show us the way. So remember that as we read this morning, the backdrop of this is persecution. Persecution of the believers. As we look at the first few verses, um, let's just read together. Finally, verse 8, 1 Peter 3. Finally, all of you, be like-minded. And he's, he's trying to say, look, don't, don't separate. Stay together. Keep a common focus. And, and I tell you that today, and, and I think I, I say this to the fathers. I think also dads, if we had something to say to our kids, we would probably use words like this. Be like-minded. Be focused on God. Put him number one in your life. Don't ever doubt him. Always trust him. Remember what the whole Bible is about. It's about trust. It's about trusting Jesus. Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Man, what, what rich words. 
You want, you want to know a cure for the world today? Right there's some words that would cure this world. Be compassionate. Care for people. Care for people. Have a burden for people. Be humble. It's not about you. It's not about look at me, how great I am. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. Be humble. Show your kids that. Show them that, dads, and, and I know a lot of you do. Show them that it's, it's important that we humble ourselves before an almighty God, a God that's holy in every way. He has no faults. He is God, and he wants to love us like we've never been loved before. Verse 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. What if the next time somebody tells you off, you just say, you know what? I love you. And more than that, God loves you. You think they would, they'd probably probably stagger him for a minute. Wait a minute, I want you to yell back at me so I can keep yelling. I don't want you to be nice. Repay evil with, with compassion. Repay evil with patience. Repay evil with kindness. Is that what Jesus did? Amen? That's what Jesus did. How many times did people want to blast him and the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were just all over him all the time. You're, you're just a, an old carpenter's son from Nazareth. Who are you telling us what to do? But he just kept loving them. He just kept loving them. He kept telling them the good news. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Think about that one more time. Go up to the top of 10. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. I wish my life was better. I wish my life was good. What does it say here? If you long for good days and you long for a good life and you love life, don't speak evil against anybody. Watch what your tongue says. I think, dads, we would set our kids down and say these very things to them. Watch what you say to people. How do you come across to people? How, how do you... You know, do you get up and yell at people? Do you shout at people? Are you always in an argument with somebody? And when your kids see that, they realize that. That's not the way you want them to see that. You would want to teach them this. Be patient. Now, listen, as dads, we don't want anybody running over our kids. We understand that. And that's, that's you know, that's not what we're talking about here. We don't, you know, and sometimes we have to humble ourselves and, and you know, could, could Jesus Christ have stopped the crucifixion? You better believe he could have. Could he have said, enough is enough? And as the old song says, he could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't do it because he loved us. And there's many times when we, we probably have a right to yell back at somebody. We probably have a good reason to yell back at somebody. But the Bible says to humble yourself, to watch your tongue, watch what you say. Remember that people are watching you and your kids are watching you. And may we teach them the right way. May we lead by example. And I know a lot of the dads in here do. They lead by example, and I, I thank you for being that example, not only to your kids, but also your grandkids, and I appreciate that so very, very much. I love verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. Do you like your prayers to be heard? Do you like your prayers to be answered? His ears are turned to the ones that are righteous, the ones that are living the life like they should. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't hear other prayers. But he has that special ear. Kind of like when uh, you as a dad, when your kids do right, 
when they, when they finally get it. You know, you've been teaching them something, and you, you set them down, and you had that talk, and they got up and did it wrong. And you set them down, and they got up, and you had the talk, and they got up and done it wrong. And then that one time, click, and you, you're kind of, they got it right. You know, you just, you want to run over and hug them. They got it right. They got it right. As I try to teach Abby now, she's entering into teenage years. Oh, help me. And, and you know, and I'm trying to, to get her to understand that we're, we've got our best interest in her, in her mind, and we want the best for her. And, you know, and that little, that little, that mouth is coming out. I don't know what causes that, Dan, you know. It's just like, what? You know, and I'll say, what are you doing in there? Oh, we're just, you know, and I said, what, what was that attitude? Oh, no, Daddy, I love you, you know. And, uh, you know, you know how it is. And they could come back with that. And, and, you know, it's, but we want to teach them right. We want to teach them the way. We want to teach them to, 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 to watch what they say, how they say it to people, have reverence and, and respect for people, and be that righteous person. And, guys, we all know that we cannot be righteous on our own. What's the only way that we're righteous? is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And isn't that great that we can all be righteous that doesn't mean that I'm better than you. It just means that I know Jesus, you know Jesus, and we can be righteous in his sight. And he says, my, my ear is turned to those that are righteous, those, those that are trying to do it right. Doesn't mean those, he didn't say those that are perfect, but those that are righteous, those that are my children. You know, you can be in a crowd of a bunch of people, and your kid can say, Daddy, and you know exactly it's yours. You look around and say, my daughter needs me or my son needs me. You hear that. You, your, your, your ear is tuned to what they say. When your heavenly father hears you pray, his ear is tuned to that. And he, he hears that. And he listens. And he, he wants to be there for you. He wants to love you and take care of you. That's, that's the perfect heavenly father. On Father's Day, there's always that quandary sometime where maybe there's someone that didn't have that perfect example of a father. Or maybe they felt like their father let them down. Or maybe they felt like or maybe their father was never in the picture to begin with and it's hard to grasp what a perfect father would look like or what a perfect dad would be like or what a good dad would be like guys listen to me when I say Jesus Christ is our Heavenly Father you do not have to doubt that he'll do it right you don't have to doubt that he will, will treat you wrong because he won't he gets it perfect he gets it right he is the example for all of us as dads to do it right and the example is there the hope that we have in him Verse 13, who is it going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Now again, talking about persecution. I heard uh, an illustration this week about a little boy that was 12 years old back in World War II. And they were trying to get him to join a certain movement in Europe, more than likely the Nazis. And they said to him, little boy, don't you know that we have the power to take your life? And the little boy said to them, don't you know that I have the power to die for Christ? Think about that. Think about that a minute. Don't you know that I have the power to take your life? He said, don't you know that I have the power to die for Christ? Now, how in the world? You think about persecution. And guys, I, I see it. I, you know, I am no, you know, fortune teller or into the future but as i read god's word i can see it building i can see persecution coming to this country and coming to christians like we have never seen it in the united states before maybe in in history i, I believe we've been so protected by the way our forefathers came and they came and founded this on jesus christ and on his word and on the god 
God's Word, and, and we're, we're moving away from that. We're moving away, and we want, we want God to smile on whatever we want to do, and we wonder why He's not happy with us. You know, I told the kids this morning, I said, what if your dad and mom let you do whatever you wanted to do? Oh, boy, they started smiling. Oh, that'd be great, you know? I said, yeah, after a while, you would realize that you're not safe anymore. You would realize that you don't really spend any time with them. You would just go your own direction. You would find heartache. And then who are you going to go to when things fall apart? Who's going to be there? Mom and Dad. They're going to be there to take care of you. And we have to realize that with God. We have to realize that God is there for us, and he wants to take care of us. But we have to realize the power that we have. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats and do not be frightened. He says here to do right. If you do good. If you do good, you won't be harmed. Well, by the time, I, I know people that, that did everything right. And they still lost their life. Take Stephen, for instance, in the Bible. He stood up for Christ. He preached the word. He did everything right. He still lost his life. They still stoned him to death. They threw rocks and crushed him and, and, and killed him because he wanted to stand up for Christ. He wanted to preach the word. What, what, what about that? It says here that what happens if you do all things right and still suffer? And there may be a day that happens. We may do things right and still suffer. Number one, God overrules the suffering for his glory. We have to remember that. Sometimes God's going to overrule that suffering for his glory. He's going to bring glory to himself to reach more. Number two, he uses suffering to bring blessings to others. And now we don't like to think about that. Well, God's going to let me suffer so others will be blessed. Now, how many want to stand up here and take that spot today? I'm, I'm, ready, to be, I'm ready to suffer, God, so others can be blessed. I think in our human nature, we would say, I don't want that job. Look at what Job went through. Look at what Job went through. He lost all his possessions, all his family. Uh, he just lost it all. And here we are, thousands of years later, we look back and we look at Job, and we realize, we know the back of the story where God blessed him, took care of him. God provided for him. God saved him. He never once cursed God. And all that, losing his family, losing his possessions, everything was taken away from him. But here we are being blessed by that and understanding that God's there. God cares. All these years later, we are still being blessed by the, the example that Job spent and, and exuded for all of us to understand. Number three, he blesses the one who suffers for his name. Sometimes you're going to be blessed even in the suffering. I would love to tell you this morning that you'll never suffer for God. But guys, I know when we stand up for God, when we do what is right, there's going to be a time when this world's going to kick against that. They do not like us proclaiming that God is right and that we are wrong, that God is holy and we are sinners. The world does not like to hear that they are a sinner. The world does not like to hear that we have faults. We like to think we got it all together. But God is holy. God is the one is. And he's going to be there to show us the way. And then we get to our memory verse for this week. This will be the VBS memory verse that the kids will say every day. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. What we're going to be trying to show your kids this week is that Christ is number one. And, and to revere him in your heart. 
See, so many today want to make God on their level. They want to put God in their box, and they want him down on their level. They want to be able to figure everything out that God does. Oh, I don't understand why God would do that. I prayed, and God did something completely different than what I prayed for. Why in the world would God do that? Because he's sovereign. Because he's in control of everything. Because he's not only working in your life, he's also working in your life, in your life, in your life. And he's working all that together at the same time so that all can have the best. Sometimes you're not going to understand what God does. That's what makes him God. You know what he wants you to do when you don't, don't understand what he's done? He wants you to trust him. He, won't, he don't want you to waver one little bit. I don't understand it. He didn't do it the way I would have done it. He didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted it. But I'm going to just keep on trusting him. I am not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. So we're going to teach your kids this week how to revere God in their heart, how to put him number one, how to go to him and trust him no matter what comes their way. And that's a big step for a kid that tall. But guys, if we, can, if we can put it in their heart at that age, it goes through with them all their life. And I, you know, I've read before, once you get 14, 15, 16, the chances go down to 50% that you'll ever find Christ. Do you see how important Bible school is? We're going to be teaching these kids this week something that will change their eternity. Then you move on up into 25 and and you move on up to 35, and all of a sudden now it's only a, a 40% chance or a 30% chance that you come to know Christ. Then you get on up to 50 and 60, and all of a sudden it's, it's one in a million that come to know Christ as Savior. Think about that. One in every million that cross the path into 60 years old. One in five million that ever will come to know Christ as Savior. You see how important it is that we tell these little ones and we live the life in front of them, Dad, that they can see the good example of what God is. The second part of that verse is, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Oh, I love that. To give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Be ready to stand up and give a reason for the hope you have. Why, why, do you, why can you make it? Why do you not just knuckle under the pressure? How do you just keep bouncing back up and keep fighting this world? Let me tell you about the hope that I have. His name is Jesus Christ. He died for me. He died for you. He took my sins and your sins on the cross, and he suffered nails through his hands and his feet. He took a crown of thorns and shoved it on his face, so he bled down his face, and they whipped him and whipped him and whipped him, and it shoved a spear in his side. He did that all for you and me. And he says that if I believe in him, and on the third day he rose again, he said, if I believe in him, I will have eternal life, and he will give me a blessed life, and I can have an abundant life, not only in the future, but right now I can have an abundant life. I can have a big life through Jesus Christ. And he wants me to follow him and keep following him, and he said, I'll take care of you. And someday when all this mess goes away and all this burns up and all of it's gone, all that's going to stand is what you've done for Jesus Christ. And he says, I can be with him someday. I can go into the... The, the, the heavenly city and everyone that believes is going to be there together. And guys, that's a hope. We're not going to perish. We're not going to perish. We're not going to burn up. We're not going to fail. We are going to be successful through Jesus Christ. That's the hope that we have. And it's not a blind hope. It's not like, I hope I get a bicycle for Christmas. That, you don't know whether you're going to get that or not. I know there's a hope in heaven. I know there's Jesus Christ. I know I'm going to be there with him someday. Not because of how great I am or how great you are, but because his word says so, and he's never lied. He's never lied. And he's not going to start now. That's a hope. That's a real hope. People are hoping in people. People are hoping in stuff. 
People are hoping in jobs. People are hoping in relationships. And all those things will fail if you're not careful. There's only one thing that does not fail, and nothing is impossible with him, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's the hope we have. That's the hope we're going to be teaching these kids about this week. We're going to teach him that Jesus was real. We're going to teach him that he was the Son of God. We're going to teach him that he really did die on a cross for you. But we're also going to teach him that he really did come back to life. And then we're going to teach him how to take that information and take it out there and live every day. No different than you and me. But we're going to do it on a way they can understand and they can grow and learn more and more about Jesus. What a hope. Polycarp was one of the early Christians that battled a lot of things. The people that said, if you'll blaspheme Christ and you'll deny Christ, if you don't, if you don't do that, we're going to turn you loose to wild wolves and let them just eat your body. And he said, I will not. They said, if you do not deny Christ, we're going to tie you to the stake and we're going to light you up and we're going to burn you alive. He said, I want to tell you one thing. He said, I've served Christ for 86 years. And he hasn't let me down yet. And whatever you can do to me is not going to take me away from him because he said he'd always take care of me. And you can hurt my body, you can destroy this body, but you cannot destroy my soul. And I will not. I will not deny my Lord and Savior and my King. His name is Jesus Christ. You do with me what you will. But I will not deny That's the kind of Americans we need today. That's the kind of dads we need today. That's the kind of people we need today, moms, dads, grandmas, and grandpas. We need the people that will stand up and say, no matter what the world says, no matter what popular opinion is, no matter what everybody says is okay, if Jesus says it's okay, then it's okay. If Jesus says it's wrong, then you know what? It's wrong. It was wrong. It is wrong. It will be wrong. It's always been wrong, and it ain't going to get right all of a sudden. It's always been wrong. It is wrong. But if Jesus says it's right, it's right. It is right. Verse 16, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak malicious against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Uh, The Bible puts it this way in another part of the uh, scriptures. Live in such a way that when they bring up something about you, people will just laugh. I know him. I know Danny Graham, and he's not like that. You just keep saying all you want, but I know Danny Graham did not do that. Live in such a way that when people talk about you, other people say that's not right. Isn't it amazing if we had that kind of, of, of uh, reputation? If we had that kind of life that we live for Christ, and we live it out in the bold, we live it out big, not because of who we are, but because God living through us. Don't forget that. It's not because we're better or we got it all figured out. Danny will tell you on days he don't have it all figured out. I'll tell you, there's days I don't have it all figured out. And there's a lot of days, sadly. But I'm telling you that he will take care of it. He will be there and live in such a way that when people do talk about you, other people will say, that's not right, because I know them, and I know they love Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to believe a word of it. Isn't that amazing? That your reputation is so so about God and so about living the righteous life that they won't even believe that stuff that they're talking about you. That's what it talks about there. For it is better if God, it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Isn't that something? For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. Now, 
Real quick, six features of his suffering. We just talked about it here. Six features of his suffering. Number one, his suffering freed believing sinners from the punishment of sin. Think about that. His suffering freed believing sinners from the punishment of sin. Before Jesus, before the cross, because of our sin in the garden through Adam, it just come on down to us, and guess what? We're born, we're sinners. What our hope was before Christ was we were bound for a devil's hell. We were bound for separation for eternity from God because of our sin in the garden. But Jesus came, and it freed us from our sins because of what he did on the cross, from his sufferings. Number two, they were eternally put into effect. His sufferings put in effect our forgiveness. Why do I know that? It says once. He died once for all. He don't have to go back and die again. He don't have to get back on the cross over and over and over. He died once, and it settled the penalty of sin forever and ever and ever. They were substitutionary. His suffering, it says, the righteous took the place of the unrighteous. Who was the righteous? Jesus Christ. Who was the unrighteous? Everybody else. He took the place. They were reconciling. We have been brought back to God. What does it say there? Christ may be ashamed, for it is better if uh, God will do God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He brought you back in the presence of God. Number five, they were violent. Never, never forget, guys, the price that was paid for your salvation. It was execution. They, the Bible says they put him to death. They put him to death. Nails, thorns, spears, whipping. This was not something that was done easy. This is not something that was just a walk in the park. This was not a breeze. This was suffering at its worst. And number six, they, end, they were ended by his resurrection. They were ended by his resurrection. And it says, but he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Isn't that great? His suffering was one time. He suffered immensely for you and me. But I'm telling you today, on the power of God's word, Jesus Christ will never suffer again. And that's good. He paid the price that he had to pay that, that really wasn't his to pay. But he paid it anyway. And then real quickly, let's finish up. Next three verses. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. It is only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven as at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. There's a lot going on there. To understand what they're talking about, we need to see the ark and Noah and all that story from a different perspective. Now, when you think about Noah and the ark, you just think about a great big boat, about three football fields long, and, and you think about two by two, the animals went in, and you think about 40 days and 40 nights and rain and all those things. Let me give you some things to see the ark like it's talking about here. First of all, the ark is the Lord Jesus. The ark represents the Lord Jesus. The flood is God's judgment. The flood is God's judgment. That's what it's talking about in these scriptures we just read. The ark 
is the way to salvation. How do I know that? Everybody that got in the ark was saved. How, what happened to those that didn't get in the ark? They perished. The ark is a representative of salvation. Those inside are as safe as they can get. Noah and his family went into the ark, and it says, and God shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door. He said, time's up. One of these days real soon, guys, God's going to shut the door again. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's going to say, enough is enough. All my children come on home. He's going to shut the door. That's why today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't wait and say, I'll figure it out later. You come to Christ today. Those inside were as safe as they can get. The ones on the outside were as lost as they could be. There was no hope. When God shut that door, Noah had preached for over 100 years, come to God, come to God, come to God. And they rejected. They laughed at him. They made fun at him. That old man is off his rocker. We're out here in the middle of nowhere, and he's building a big old boat in the dirt. And it has, we don't even know what, he's talking about rain. We don't even know what rain is. It never rained from the sky until then. They don't, know what he's, they don't know what he's talking about. But I'm telling you, those on the outside of that ark were as lost as they can get. Water was not the means of salvation. That's a good thing to think about. The water didn't save them. What happened to the ones in the water? They perished. There's only one way of salvation. It's not through that dunk tank right there. It's through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The ark, Jesus Christ, is a safe place. The ark went through the full judgment of God but survived. Think about that. The full wrath, the storm, the flood was the wrath of God, and it pounded and pounded and pounded on that ark day after day, 40 days, 40 nights. And after that, there was months after that that they stayed afloat, and not one drop got in there and, and got wet on those folks. The judgment they went through, it took the full wrath of God, and guess what? They never one of them lost their life. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he took the full wrath of God for us. God's wrath was supposed to be thrown down on me and thrown down on you. But instead, Jesus Christ stood in our place, and he took the full wrath of God. And that's why his father had to turn his back from him. He couldn't even look at it because it was so bad. He was throwing the wrath of God on, on his own son so that me and you could be saved. How many of you want to bring your boy up here today and let him be killed for all of us? Somebody line up and do that today. That's what Jesus Christ and God did for you. Do you not think he deserves our best? Do you not think he loves you with a God-sized love, a father-sized love that we can't even explain? Anybody touches our kids, we're going to beat them, we're going to fight them like a circle saw. Don't touch my kids. Yet God the Father gave up his only son so me and you could have eternal life. Wow, what a Father's Day. What a Father's Day. Water all around, but Noah and his family were brought through the scene of death and destruction to a new life. Wow. They came through the wrath. And because they were in Jesus Christ, they were in the ark, they were in Jesus, they were saved through him, they came out. One day that ramp opened back up, and Noah and his family walked out to a brand new life. Wow. That's what Jesus did when he raised again. That's the example that he's showing them. They said, what are we going to do? Think about the backdrop that we started with. What's the backdrop of this scripture? Persecution. But there's only a few of us, the people said. Peter, how are we supposed to go on? These people are, there's only a few of us. What are we supposed to do? He said, don't you remember that only eight were saved when the ark was there? Only eight made it through. But you know what? God provided because they chose to follow God. That's why. 
That's why they made it. They chose to follow God. How do we make it today? How do we make it through this craziness of this world? We choose to follow God no matter what. That's a great thing to tell your kids. How do you make it through? Choose to follow God no matter what. There's not anything more important than that. There's not anything more important than that. Man. What a thought. Verse 22 said, Who has gone into heaven is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, powers, and submission to him. Here's some things to think about in closing. Power. He's at the right hand of God. That shows us power. Honor. He's at God's right hand. What an honorable place. He's rested. Seated. Remember what he did when Stephen was being stoned? He stood which means our, our God, Jesus Christ, sits at the right hand of the Father. He rests from the work that he's done. His work is complete. His work is complete. He intercedes, which means he speaks on our behalf. He, he's kind of like our lawyer. When we pray to God, he stands up and says, Father, Todd has asked for this. Todd needs you to forgive this sin. And, Father, I come to you on my blood and ask you to forgive Todd. You know what the Father says? Yes, sir, I'll do that. I'll do that. Preeminence. He's over everything. Over angels, powers, authorities, principalities. That's the one you want to follow. Everybody wants to know who the top dog is. Who's the big person? Who's the one we want to get in behind when trouble comes? You know, back in the day, it was the best shot. Whoever was the best shot, that's who we want to be with. Modern days, it's the best warrior, the best battle soldier. I want to be with them. I remember watching Mel Gibson pictures, you know, y'all watch him and uh, are, you know, one of those guys and they say, you all stay here and I'm going to go out here and somebody gets up and he goes, where are you going? I'm going with him. I'm staying with him. He's got the gun and he knows how to use it. When we look at Jesus Christ, guys, he is the one we need to get behind and don't let anything separate us because he will take care of us. Romans 8 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Anything, listen to me, anything you're going through today is going to be little, 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 little bitty compared to the glory you're going to receive someday when you get to heaven with Jesus. It's going to be worth every moment you suffered, struggled, whatever. And I think if we're really honest with each other, most of our sufferings are not as bad as we make them out to be. And I know there's some people really suffering. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know there's some really tough stuff going on. But sometimes, one day, it's going to look this little compared to the glory of being with God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. In closing today, I want to commission you and the kids for Bible school. I'm going to ask all our kids to come up here and, and, and everyone that's going to come to Bible school this week, all the kids, if they'd come stand right up here for me. Just face me if you would, all right? Just kind of spread out all across the front. All the kids that are planning on coming to Bible school, all right? And guys, it's sad that we've only got this many this morning. We registered over 200 kids last year for Bible school. And so there's going to be a pile of kids in here this week. And so we're looking forward to that. This week, guys, is a very special week at our church. Children from our congregation and around the community will be attending this year's VBS, Agency D3. Kids will hone their investigative skills to learn about the life of Jesus. Throughout the week, they will be discovering who Jesus really is, deciding to believe that Jesus is God's son, and learning how to defend 
their faith, right? Defend our faith. That's right. The focus of this year's VBS is 1 Peter 3.15. And we read that verse. We'll read it here in just a minute. It should be up on the screen. Go back one, guy. Go, go forward another one. Right there. We'll read that together here in just a minute. Now, boys and girls, this is your part. As a church, we would like to commission each of you in the role of special agents this week. Every one of you are a special agent. As fellow believers in Jesus, we encourage you to investigate the life of Jesus. Discover what the Bible says and check out the evidence that proves he is God's son. I want you to do that this week. I want you to look at all the evidence that Jesus is God's son. Ask your teachers questions this week. You ask them questions. Find out what that's all about. Dig deep into God's word so that you can know beyond any doubt that God loves you. I want you all to know that more than anything after this week, that God loves you. That he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you and that you can trust Jesus as your savior. It is at the heart of this church that each of you believes in Jesus and tell others about him. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. Will you all repeat after me? All right. Raise your right hand. Your right hand. <laughs> I got a lefty there. I promise to search the truth about Jesus this week during VBS. I vow to discover, decide, and defend the truth about Jesus. In addition, I pledge to ask questions. Listen to what you're saying now. Be a good listener. Have fun. And encourage my friends and fellow agents. If I complete this mission, I will be able to defend my faith and to give a defense of the hope that is within me. All right. Thank you, boys and girls. Parents, would you all stand? Everyone stand, please. Everyone, parents, grandparents, friends, and showing support. Look around at this bunch now. They're showing support of you guys this week for being here at Bible school. They're going to be praying. Some are going to be teaching. Some are going to be feeding you, which is good. Some are going to be making crafts. Some are going to be doing music with you. But this church is, is in support of you. I want to ask the, the adults to repeat after me. We dedicate these children to the Lord. Please protect them. Help them to learn about you. And be with them during this important and fun week. We thank you for their lives. And the lives of all the others they will impact. Help us to love these children. And guide them closer to you. We promise to support. Encourage and pray this week including the children, volunteers, workers, and visitors. Now as we launch into a exciting week of VBS, let us end this commissioning service and ceremony by reading the VBS verse together. But honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 1 Peter 3.15.
You can go sit down. Please remain standing with our head bowed and our eyes closed. I just ask you to, first of all, make sure that you're his. Guys, there is a real hope in Jesus Christ. And I pray everyone in this room knows that hope today. Secondly, I ask you if you'd like to be a part of this family, you can do that today also. And then third, I ask you to pray for these children, and I ask you to pray for this Bible school this week. I ask you to pray for the fathers in this room, that they will continue to live their life as an example to their children and the grandparents, and that we will continue to instill the hope of Jesus Christ in our children and our grandchildren. Dear Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, speak in this moment now, during this time of decision. And Lord, we love you with all of our heart. 